Hello and welcome to the Alpha Zone. With me, your host, the Alpha. We start with Thursday, the 2nd of September 2021's Impact Offering. The show opens with a recap of last week. And to be honest, it impact is so unfor- it's so forgettable that I've actually forgotten. Tommy Dreamer, if he beats one of the Impact stars, Ace of House Austin, I think his name was, then he gets added to a triple threat match for Christian's Impact Championship. After two very boring two-star matches, Two out of ten. Remember the impact rule. Unless it's a five or above. It's not being reviewed. Fifteen minutes into the show. We start with a Tommy Dreamer promo. Tommy Dreamer cuts a mediocre promo. Before Christian Cage interrupts to save the promo. Elevating it because there is back and forth bickering between Christian and Tommy Dreamer. The end of this segment ends with a 9 out of 10. Their basic bickering was about Tommy Dreamer became the ECW champion when Christian was champion, before Christian interrupts to say, yes, you did, but that was a triple threat match and you pinned Jake Hager, well, Jack Swagger at the time, you didn't pin me. You have never pinned me for a championship. Tommy Dreamer says that will change, and Christian says no, it won't. Christian wishes Tommy Dreamer good luck. Tommy Dreamer says he doesn't need it, and for Christian to stay in the back and watch on a monitor no matter what happens. Next, we flash forward to the second hour of Impact Wrestling. 34 minutes and 10 seconds in as Ace Austin, with his associate following him, walk to the ring. Tommy Dreamer then follows him a couple of seconds later before the match starts. There is 10 minutes left in the programme. The filler in between has been 1 out of 10 matches and at best 2 out of 10 promos. So they will not be rated. Great back and forth match. Very traditional wrestling. Tommy Dreamer. Looks to be a hundred pounds heavier than Ace Austin. Ace Austin and his associate are the heels. Tommy is supposed to be the aging babyface. After neutralizing Ace Austin's associate outside the ring, Tommy Dreamer gets back in and Ace Austin hits a spinning RKO. That's not what it's called, but that is effectively what the move is for the one 
two, three. So whenever Victory Road is, it'll be Christian Cage versus Ace Austin one on one in the match. Ace Austin has turned around and said he will have his associate at ringside. So, more fun and games, huh? Don't forget to add the official AlphaZone Snapchat if you use Snapchat to get updates as well as following us on the Twitter. The official AlphaZone Snapchat is AlphaZone18. Search on Snapchat and if you are on Twitter, AlphaZone18, you will see the show logo on both Snapchat and Twitter if you search AlphaZone18. Next we move on to AEW Rampage from Friday the 3rd of September 2021. Now remember on Wednesday's episode of AEW we were promised that CM Punk would be here live. The show opens up and Excalibur exclaims that later on tonight CM Punk will be on commentary as there is Darby Allen versus Daniel Garcia. Sting will be in Darby's corner and the rest of 2.0 will be in Daniel's corner. Taz announces we will hear from the TNT champion Miro, who seems to be a very religious heel. He calls himself God's chosen redeemer or the redeemer and God's judgment. He seems to be a very religious heel. Miro, the Redeemer, is a very religious heel. Only in 2021 is being a religious man a heel gimmick in America. Rebel and Jamie Hager will team up to face Skylander in a two-on-one handicap match. That was announced by Excalibur cutting in. So I've literally told you exactly how it was announced. Up next, Malachi Black versus Lee Johnson. Oh, now this match has the sounds of great, great match. Oh, yes. I don't know why I did a Chinese accent. Probably because I've been playing Ghost of Tsushima. But yes. At some point in the introductions, Chris Jericho has appeared on the announcer's table. Great back and forth match to start. Lee Johnson playing the baby face here. And Malachi Black being the devastatingly destructive heel. Great commentary and banter from the announcer's table. You can tell that these guys have worked together before and have a lot of respect for each other. 
apart from Excalibur. Everybody seems to have disdain for Excalibur, which is well deserved. Fuck Excalibur. Oh, not really fuck him, but may death be upon him. Well, I say that he is actually getting better. There's less demonic screaming now, so maybe just education be upon him about the wrestling business. Lee Johnson is doing well in the match. Again, playing the traditional baby face. Malachi Black. Time for some Dr. Pepper Cherry. Malachi Black plays the traditional heel role very effectively here. Just stopping all of Johnson's momentum when he starts backing him up into a corner. When the referee is not paying attention, taking little heel jabs like poking Johnson in the chest, throwback to heels of yesteryear like Tully Blanchard and the Four Horsemen, notably done by Ric Flair back in the day, who of course was the leader of the legendary Four Horsemen group. Oh, I have just noticed Rick Knox, a.k.a. the middle-aged Bucks favourite referee, is in this match. So you know there's going to be some tomfoolery at some point because this is the most ineffective referee in AEW and he is only used when there's going to be interference or an afterbirth after the match. So you know there's going to be some tomfoolery. Great back-and-forth match. Truly great Obviously being led by Malachi Black. Just a great match. That's all I can say. Apart from Rick Knox. This idiot referee. Who. Walked off in the middle of the match. When the camera was square in the centre of the ring. The referee walked off into the corner. So Malachi could do a spot. You don't do that shit when the camera's facing the ring. Come on. I, oh, no wonder he's the young buck's favourite referee. He's fucking immoral. That's halfway between a mong, if you remember slang from back in the day, and a moron. A more monk. Ha! Excalibur just called Malachi Black Alistair Black. <laughs> Chris Jericho turned around and said Oh, someone's getting in trouble for that That's not his gimmick anymore <laughs> Now that's funny Lee Johnson gets some momentum And goes for a frog splash off the top ropes He just makes it to Malachi Black Which is ridiculous All he had to do was not try and go for a frog splash with pomp and circumstance, and he would have got it perfectly. But no, he had to act up. I mean, come on. Really, this has been a great match. It's been a great match, and you start doing shit like that. That's just ridiculous. This has been the best 11-minute match that I have watched so far today Lee Johnson 
takes his time in showing off, which is just fucking ridiculous. Malachi Black then takes control with a boot to the head. And it's a good thing it was in the break because you heard him turn around and say, you stupid fucking idiot. So, I'm guessing he wasn't supposed to do that pomp and circumstance and that bullshit. Take liberties in the ring, play stupid games, get stupid prizes. We come back from the break and the referee is actually checking on Lee Johnson. Seems Malachi kicked him a bit too hard in the head. Knocks the stupid referee, walks over to Malachi Black and tells him he shouldn't have kicked Johnson in the face. So Malachi Black rolls out of the ring, picks up a chair and throws it in the ring directly at Knox's feet before mouthing something to him and then getting back in the ring. After getting in the referee's face with the chair in his hand and mouthing something to him, I'm guessing he's telling the stupid referee to shut the fuck up and not get in his business. But a lot less polite. Malachi walks with the chair and hands it to Johnson. Johnson gets up on spaghetti legs, so legitimately Malachi might actually have given him some concussion. Before the referee tells Malachi to stop what he's doing and Malachi does a spinning heel kick and kicks Johnson in the head glaring at the referee the entire time, telling him to actually do his job if he's going to be a referee, if not shut up. Then he walks over and gets the pin for victory. One, two, three. Malachi Black wins. The idiot referee then bails out of the ring. I'm guessing the idiot referee is going to bitch to the middle-aged bucks that the mean man was mean to him and I'm guessing when he gets back behind the curtain Malachi Black is going to kick off about that feckless referee amazing 15 minute match after the match true to form there has to be an afterbirth so Dustin Rhodes the former gold dust in WWE comes down to the ring out of the corner of the screen you can actually see medics come down to take Mr. Lee out of the arena through the crowd on a stretcher so he might actually have a concussion although that's what he gets for fucking about Play stupid games, get stupid prizes. Dustin then starts shouting. You could have killed him at Malachi. And Malachi, true to the heel persona that he is playing, 
starts counting off members of the Nightmare family faction that he has beaten and looks at Dustin Rhodes and says, you're next, old man. That match gets a 10 out of 10. The afterbirth obviously was improvised because of Johnson getting hurt. So I'm going to be nice and give that a 8 out of 10 purely because it was improvised and they actually didn't fuck it up. Although with Dustin and Malachi Black out there, I can imagine that would be very hard to do. Despite the arsehole referee's best tries. So, they panned to a crowd shot where there was a very well-built gym rat with a top that says, I gave up being at the gym to be at this event. And she didn't even give me a smile. Now that has to be a custom-made shirt. Next to him, there was a very portly-sized gentleman wearing a T-shirt saying, I gave up playing Ghost of Tsushima for this. When will I get my life back? So, there are a lot of custom shirts in the arena, which are actually quite funny. Dustin Rhodes cuts an amazing promo while he's being interviewed by Mark Henry. It is a masterclass in promo, and I have to say, Mark Henry, who was a wrestler in WWE The World's Strongest Man, who was actually at one point the winner of the World's Strongest Man. So yes, I know, great gimmick. Very original. He, Dustin, answers all of Mark Henry's questions. Very to the point, answers them perfectly, and then turns to the camera and says, Malachi Black, this Wednesday on AEW Dynamite, you and me, one-on-one. Great promo. 11 out of 10. It gets an 11 out of 10. Because it was a great promo. Great interview. In between a great promo. Great chemistry between both men. The camera work stayed where it was supposed to. And there was no bullshit angles going on afterwards. Next, Miro, the world's most religious heel, the TNT champion, comes to the ring. In his entrance video, it says God's favorite champion. And there is different Bible verses being flashed on the screen. Like I said earlier, only in 2021 (coughs) is being religious a heel gimmick in America on his way to the ring when his name pops up it says the redeemer has never lost any AEW singles matches he is 13-0 Miro starts cutting an amazing promo Miro is just cutting a masterclass in promo 
it seems all the veterans and the guys that came from WWE seem to know how to cut promos. All the guys that came from the indie scene do not know how to cut promos, with the exception of Eddie Kingston. But yes, he cuts a great heel promo. Now remember, this is only a heel promo because it's 2021 and religion bad in America. Miro says that he gave you all the talent. He gave you the gift of suffering to make you stronger, to make sure that you could cope with anything so that you could get here. And you took the easy way out. You call yourself the Mad King. I only bow and I only recognise one king. And he is not on this plane referring to God. Miro says that Eddie Kingston took a charity contract from AEW rather than going to the other place where he would actually have to earn a name for himself rather than being an indie darling and that Miro is not in the charity business and neither is his god and that if Kingston wants the TNT title if he wants to prove that he is a man and be a man he has to go through Miro to do it the Mad King theme song plays out and Eddie Kingston starts to walk to the ring. Eddie Kingston is handed a microphone and starts cutting a masterclass in promo back. Eddie Kingston turns around and says to Miro that your God is not real and continues his promo blaspheming God which only in 2020 only in 2021 America is that a baby face thing to do Miro shaking says get in the ring and you won't make it to all out this Sunday Miro bails out of the ring after Eddie gets in and suckers him in to a trap where he smashes him over the face with the title and you can see him actually smash Eddie in the face with the title do not disrespect the god of mirror do not disrespect god around mirror boy because he will fuck you up with a championship or whatever the hell he has close to him after Four minutes of Miro kicking the crap out of Eddie Kingston. The referees and security guard separate Miro from Eddie Kingston. Miro clears him out of the ring going over to Eddie. Eddie, playing possum as Miro picks him up, goes for a move but is reversed by Eddie who hits Miro with the DDT before walking off. Up next is the... Rebel and Jamie handicap match with Chris Statlander. In Rebel and Jamie's corner will be the eight, the All Elite Wrestling Women's Champion 
Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. Amazing from the commentary. That last segment, by the way, gets a 10 out of 10. The Dustin interview, well, I've already rated that, but I want to re-rate it a 12 out of 10. This Jamie and Rebel versus Statlander match is going great. It's a great heels versus babyface match with the heels doing a lot of tag team moves in the corner, which is what you would expect. Dr. Britt Baker shouting from the ringside area, which is what you would expect from a heel. Just absolutely perfect. Rebel gets tagged in and starts kicking the crap out of Skylander. Quick tags back and forth of punches and kicks before Jamie gets back in. Like I said, great heels, two-on-one tag teaming the babyface. I'm not sure if you were able to hear that commentary properly. I'm hoping you were. That was just a small example of the masterclass commentary that is on display in this match. Reverses a tag team move and starts to build some babyface momentum before clearing Rebel out of the ring. After Scatlander gets Rebel in a weird Boston crab looking thing, Rebel says she gives up. Scatlander, Skylander wins, which was okay, I guess a 5 out of 10. The ending of the match made absolutely no sense. It just sort of came out of nowhere. Next, there is an another interview segment with Mark Henry, but it is a picture-and-picture picture segment where you have Sting and Darby Allen in one picture and Daniel Garcia and the rest of 2.0 in another picture. Looking at Sting and Darby Allen, it reminds me of a meme that I saw when you and your stoner cousin are upstairs and the rest of the family are talking about how much you're a disappointment. It's a meme I saw going around on Facebook and it goes around every year on Facebook around 4.20. For those of you that don't know what that is, that is... 4th of May, I believe, when 
um, Hyde Park is taken over by people that smoke a certain herb, weed, if you if you will. And the people that smoke the weed in the park, if you will, tend to circulate and gesticulate that meme all over the place. Yeah, baby. But yeah, seeing Darby Allen and Sting just rem- how they are now reminded me of that meme. But yeah, so great, um, great interview segment. I'm going to give this a 7 out of 10, if you will, on the scale of the greatness, it is a 7 out of 10. CM Punk's music hits first as he makes his way to the commentary table. And the second that Cult of Personality theme song hits, the entire crowd come alive. They're all on their feet and they are all singing Cult of Personality. CM Punk walks around the commentary table before walking down to the ring, pointing at a certain section of crowd before he jumps in and says hello and starts handing out ice cream bars, baby. CM Punk walks and sits at the commentary table after doing two laps of the ring. After that, the job team, well, the idiot team, I should say, of 2.0 come to the ring. The the Daniel of Garcia. I don't know why they say his name, Garcia, because it just sounds unnatural. Stays in the ring while the other two from 2.0 come uh, outside the ring. As Mr. Darby Allen's theme song hits and he walks out being accompanied by Sting. I mean, I don't know why they pronounce it like that either. I'll just say Sting. High levels of tomfoolery going on here with these announcers, these ring announcers, I should I should specify, and other types of SFI. So the announcer announces the match has 22 minutes. That is how long the match can go for, but there is only 12 minutes left in the show. Why not just say this match is TV time remaining? I mean, come on, Justin Roberts, you idiot commentator. How do you not know how to pay attention to timekeeping? Garcia goes outside of the ring and Darby Allen gives chase. 2.0 try to surround Darby Allen, but Sting backs them off and walks them round the other side of the ring. Great back and forth. 
between Darby and Daniel so far. Great commentary. There is a lot of emphasis being put on the fact that it's Punk's first match in seven years, as it should be. They are taking the time to A, do commentary about the match, and B, ask Punk questions, which is how it should be done. As Darby Allen tries to hit Daniel Garcia and misses, because Garcia gets out of the way, Sting is taking out the other members of 2.0, the other two members, on the opposite side of the ring. Yes, that's exactly how it was just pronounced by the only Brit on the commentary table. Daniel Garcia, after getting Darby Allen back in the ring, takes control and has control for about eight minutes, stopping every now and again to look up at Punk and trying to provoke Punk into interfering. We go to pitcher and pitcher, and for some reason, the stupid advert about don't be a punk, be a police officer in the Chicago Police Department comes up. I mean, really, are these people tone deaf? Do they not know when to book adverts? CM Punk is on commentary table. They're telling people, don't be a punk, join the police force. If it had been at any other point in the show, it would have been fine. But not now. I mean, it just makes absolutely no sense. You've signed CM Punk, this big star that's been away from the wrestling business for seven years. And every time there's a picture-in-picture break, it's, don't be a punk, join the Chicago PD. Punks in your area way behind bars make your community safe from punk, punk, punks. I mean, it's just, it makes absolutely no sense and it's not logical. This idiot booker, booker, Tony Khan, needs to plan shit out properly. It's just moronic. Great back and forth match. With two minutes left. Absolutely perfect. Great back and forth wrestling. It is a mixture of traditional wrestling where it's punches and kicks. And a couple of high flying moves. The perfect amount for the match. Darby Allen reverses a pinfall lock up. And hits him with a very unique style pin that I've not seen before in 20 plus years of watching wrestling and gets the one two three before the rest of 2.0 jump in and start attacking him darby allen is thrown outside of the ring before 2.0 then turn the assault to sting sting starts to get up and defend himself but the other two members are beating up Darby Allen before CM Punk, who has now changed into a Bret Hart t-shirt, gets up from the commentary table and runs down to the ring in order to return the favour from AEW Dynamite and help save Sting 
and Darby Allen. Punk walks 2.0 around the ring, giving Darby Allen enough time to get in the ring and to perform a suicide dive from in the ring to take down the two members of 2.0 before Darby and Punk get in each other's faces. Still to come on this week's Alpha Zone, we will be reviewing All Out, which will take place on the 5th of September 2021. And after that, we will be reviewing Monday Night Raw, which will take place (coughs) on the 6th of September 2021. The buy-in for AEW All Out starts. The buy-in is basically the the pre-show starts. And Jim Ross is having a sit-down interview with CM Punk. Great interview. Jim Ross asks the hard-hitting questions. And CM Punk just sits there answering them honestly. Neither of the two men paying attention to the camera. It honestly sounds like, and the way they've set it up is perfect. It's two people having a conversation where there just happens to be a camera in the room rather than most modern interviews where the camera seems to be the main focus. The first match on the pre-show on the buy-in is Orange, Cassidy, Chuck, Taylor, Wheeler, Yutta, and Jurassic Express versus Matt Hardy, Private Party, and 2THQ. Matt Hardy and Chuck Taylor start the match off. Hardy knocks Chucky Cheese into the corner and tags Orange Cassidy in. Orange then tags Luchasaurus in before Hardy tags in Jack Evans to face Luchasaurus. Jungle Boy gets tagged in and starts to do some flips and tricks before he is slowed down. Okay, this match is ridiculous. And I have just noticed the referee in it, so of course it's broken down and they're doing tomfoolery and bullshit. It's... Rick Knox, the middle-aged Bucks' favourite referee. The only two that aren't embroiled in this weird eight-person submission is Matt Hardy and Orange Cassidy. The rest are in some weird eight-person submission 
which should not happen as there should only be two in the ring at a time. The moron referee is just letting it happen. So, I am going to continue watching this match, but this match has fallen into the impact rule. I will rate the ending of it if it's above five stars. If not, it doesn't get rated, but I will tell you what tag team wins, simply which team I should say wins, because I've already started the review. But matches like this in future will not be reviewed. After a lot of flips and tricks and dance routine, and bullshit from 90% of the participants in this match. Eventually, Jungle Boy locks his submission on Angelico and Angelico taps out. At some point in the match, THQ, right, is that's their team name, the announcer started calling them TH2. When they first came down to the ring, they were announced as THQ, their graphics are THQ. After the match, however, they are now TH2, which I'm not sure how that works or why, but okay. It makes no sense, but this match was just... A lot of bullshit tomfoolery. And just these guys fucking about, basically. Next, we are joined by the tag team, the Men of the Year, a.k.a. Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky. They have... There's three people standing next to them. I don't know who they are. They haven't been introduced. And the best, and uh, the men of the year, I should say, are cutting a good promo. It's one of the best promos they have cut so far. The guys they are with are now introduced as American Top Team. They have an old guy with them who... The only way I can describe it is would be the Jim Cornette of AEW where he tells them that 90% of the roster are small, which is true. Basically, this old guy who's a war vet tells the truth about AEW's shortcomings while working for AEW. It's a new heel team, which I think is great. This is a heel team we can all get behind. The old guy is called... Dan Lambert, it seems. Only after he cut a Jim Cornette level promo, a God level promo, did he announce who he was, which is perfect. So, the buy-in has been on for 
57 minutes and 53 seconds where you had Jim, uh, where you had Tony Schiavone and Excalibur. Now we get the legendary Jim fucking Ross. Yep, JR makes his way to the ring. After he took a walk around the ring, taking time to say hello to the fans, he walks to the commentary table, sits down, and looks at Excalibur and says, Sometimes you have to give the people what they want. Sometimes you have to go and say hello and be part of it. Sometimes you can't just sit up here and scream. You have to be part of the AEW universe. You have to know when to talk, when to give good commentary, and when to be quiet. You have to know when to immerse yourself, when to greet your fans, when to greet the AEW universe, when to soak it in, and when to do your job. Go on, Jim Ross. You tell Excalibur. The first match on AEW All Out 2021 was the AEW TNT Championship. Miro Champion versus Eddie Kingston. Kingston had claimed ahead of the match that he identified Miro's neck as the weakness. Kingston did focus his attack on Miro's neck, hitting an early exploder suplex. Kingston tried to hit a crossbody from the ring apron to outside, but was caught by Miro, who turned it into a power slam on the floor. Great reversal. An absolute great, great reversal. Right. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that, to be honest. Miro maintained that momentum with a grinding attack that included a huge drop kick as Kingston kept trying to fire back with chops to the neck. Kingston battled back with a Santana suplex before absorbing Miro's strikes and firing back with more of his own. Miro focused his attack on Kingston's back and locked in a game over his submission only for Kingston to manage to reach the bottom ropes. This is the first time this has happened. A frustrated Miro turned into a DDT, but the referee was trying to reattach the turnbuckle, leading to a delayed count. The referee then prevented Kingston from throwing Miro into the exposed turnbuckle, allowing Miro to hit a low blow to score the pinfall and retain his title. This was a wonderful, hard-hitting match that got the pay-per-view off to a very positive note. Just absolute amazing. It was old-school wrestling. There was a clear heel and a clear baby face. If it wasn't for the referee not being where he was supposed to be, the match would have been even better. I'm going to give this a 9 out of 10. 
John Moxley versus Japanese wrestling Kojima. Kojima tried for a handshake before the match only to be met with a middle finger and a barrage of strikes after a wild start. Moxley hit a suicide dive before focusing his offense on Kojima's taped hands. Kojima fired back with a flurry of chops and a top rope elbow drop. Both men hit each other's face off the turnbuckle, almost as if taking it in turns, before both men then decided to bite the face of the other, which was some bullshit. Before Kojima hit a suplex, the exchange of big moves kept coming, including a Kojima buster. Kojima hit a lariat and a bulldog choke only for Ko- only to get a two count from the referee. Kojima then hit Moxley with a Kojima cutter but was too, tam- too damaged to go for the cover, allowing Moxley to take advantage and lock in a bulldog choke of his own, only for Kojima to break the hold by getting to the bottom rope. Moxley followed up by hitting the paradigm shift twice to score the pinfall. Great match. Great, great match. This is what happens when you get two talents that know what to do. It was a mixture of old-school wrestling, ground and pound, straight punches, big moves, and some high-flying moves. Now, that is what a match should be. After the match, Suzuki made his way to the ring to confront a shocked Moxley. Suzuki removed his shirt and got in Moxley's face before the two men began trading forearms and a brawl until Tsunaki hit a gotch power driver to lay Moxley out. So, recap, John Moxley defeats Komoji via pinfall. 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. Next match was for the AEW Women's Championship. Dr. Britt Baker, DMD versus Chris Statlander. Statlander immediately tried to use her strength advantage, but had to avoid an early attempt at a lockjaw from the women's champion. Baker cut Statlander's attack with a twisting netbreaker as Scatlander was seated on the top rope. Scatlander fired back with her own power attack, including a modified... How did I write this down? A Mochaniko driver, which is what Excalibur was screaming. For a near fall, Scatlander missed the area 4-5-1 splash and Baker tried to pounce with a lockjaw only to see Scatlander counter and hit an axe kick for another two count. Scatlander missed a pendulum moon salt from the ring apron and Britt Baker leaped off the ring 
steps for a big stomp. Back in the ring, Scatland had tried to lock in a spider crab submission, but Britt Baker landed a series of kicks to the face to break the hold. Baker hit the Pittsburgh surprise and stomp, both resulting in near falls. Scatlander had nothing left after the kick out and Britt Brit Baker locked in the lockjaw to get the win via submission. Another match, another gem in the show that was building a great set of momentum. This match gets a 9 out of 10. Again, great old school wrestling, great back and forth, not too much high flying, just great back and forth, heel and babyface wrestling. I mean, come on guys, let's keep building on this. We're doing great. Next we have the AEW Tag Team Championships. The Young Bucks versus the Lucha Brothers. The Bucks tried to climb the cage immediately, but were caught by a flying dropkick. As expected, a consistent flurry of flips, tricks and dance routines with bodies flying around the ring. The Bucks repeatedly being tossed into the cage. Penta was eventually stuck between the ring apron and the cage where his head was kicked into the steel. A trio of cutters were hit before Phoenix hit a double cutter to be the last man standing in the wild exchange. See, I told you, flip, tricks and dance routines. I knew what this match was going to be. I've been telling you guys for the last two weeks. The Bucks hit a combination of tombstones onto sections for a near fall on both men. Nick Jackson drilled both Lucha Brothers with low, low blows, taking advantage of the lack of rules in the cage. The Bucks tried to rip off the masks of both of the challengers, taking any shortcuts possible as they took control of the match. Brandon Cutlet came to cage side and threw a big bag into the ring for the Bucks. Matt Jackson pulled out a sure coated in thumbtacks. Penta, already bloodied, drove in front of Phoenix to take the kicks instead. Penta was then Penta, I should say, was then driven face first into Tax multiple times, drawing even more blood. More flips, tricks and dance routines later. A BTE trigger on Penta only got a two count when Phoenix broke up the pin. Phoenix stormed back before driving the tack-covered shoe into both bucks. Hitting a black thunder driver for his own near fall. Nick Jackson and Penta hit each other with a series of hit, hit of kicks, flips and dance routines before they hit each other with a package of pile drivers on the ring apron. I mean really it's just fucking ridiculous before going one-on-one on one back 
inside the ring before Penta hit a destroyer from the top ropes. A stomp assisted package pile driver only got a two count for the Lucha Brothers. They tried to do it again this time when Phoenix coming off the top rope. But Nick Jackson made the save before Phoenix came off the top of the cage with a crossbody. The Lucha Brothers hit a 10-10 driver to win the tag titles. There's no way to effectively recap a match that was basically flips, tricks and dance routines. You know... And this match gets a 5 out of 10. Yes, the Lucha Brothers defeated the middle-aged Bucks via pinfall to win the tag team titles. However, it was all flips, tricks and dance routines. So no, I didn't enjoy the match. A way to kill any momentum that you had going into this match. Next, we go into what I affectionately call the cool-down spot, which happens after every middle-aged Bucks match. Next, we have the Casino Battle Royale. The Battle Royale was a standard deal for AEW, with the batch of new entrants coming in, in competitors getting tossed from the ring and waiting to see... Who would get the spot as the Joker this year? The Joker was revealed to be Ruby Shaho, formerly Ruby Riot in WWE. The final four came down to Thunder Rosa, Taya Conti, Nyla Rose. Rose. Rosa eliminated. Rose to leave just herself and Ruby. The two women battled on the ring apron before Ruby hit a kick to send Rosa to the floor to win the match. The pop for the former Ruby Riot, Ruby Shaha, was huge. And yes, I'm pronouncing it that way because that's how the announcers pronounced it. See, it's a huge injection of life into this developing women's division. The problem is the women's division is booked by Kenny the piece of shit Omega. And unless you are a Japanese woman, you do not get a lot of spotlight on the shows. Because Kenny has his fetishes. Ruby won the Casino Battle Royale. That gets a 9 out of 10. One thing I forgot to mention. The former Ruby Riot has gone from ugly ass green hair, which sticks out in every match, to bright yellow hair, which sticks out in every match. Next we have MJF versus Chris Jericho. MJF spoofed 
the old Y2J entrance. Jericho made his entrance to just a live guitar rendition of Judas as the crowd sang along. The match quickly went outside the ring where MJF hit Jericho in the head with a metal pole before Jericho hit MJF in the head with a metal pole. So yes, metal pole shots back and forth. Once the match went back into the ring, MJF focused his attack on Chris Jericho's arm. The attack on the arm did not stop before MJF hit Jericho with a heat seeker on the apron, mostly scoring almost scoring him the win by count out. I'm sorry, I wrote these notes very, very quickly, and it is very late at night. Jericho managed to fight back after hitting a power bomb, driving MJF slower back into the edge of the apron. Jericho skip, scored a near fall after a lion salt. Jericho went for a hurricane rana from the top rope, but MJF countered it into a power bomb. Chris Jericho is blown up by this point, and you can see he is gasping for breath. How many times do I have to say it? Jericho, you're not a cruiserweight anymore. You're a heavyweight. Work like a heavyweight, but bring back the old moves slowly and one at a time. If you're going to do them, only do them in pay-per-views. One at a time, like how Edge did at SummerSlam. Though the move hurt MJF's own injured back, Wardlow began making his way to the ring but was stopped by Jake the Hager. The distraction allowed MJF to use Jericho's baseball bat to hit Jericho in the head. Then a laid out then landed Jericho's own Judas effect to score a near fall pin. MJF then hit Jericho with the Judas effect again. To score the pin, despite the fact that Jericho's foot being on the ropes. A second referee came to the ring, saying that Jericho's foot was on the ropes, leading to the match being restarted. Jericho nearly immediately scored a pin, but MJF locked up an armbar. Jericho countered into a pin, then locked in the lion tamer to force MJF to tap. Remember the stipulation in this match? If Jericho lost, he would only be on commentary. Not the best match on the show, but it was a, a good enough showing, I guess, from both men. Effective use of classic pro wrestling. An amazing... It, it was an amazing match. Back and forth, it's just 
Jericho got blew up and he got red in the face so much. And I'm not a fan of all the heat that they built on MJF through this match just to end that way. It was a Dusty Rhodes finish. Not that there's anything wrong with a Dusty Rhodes finish, but you don't use a Dusty Rhodes finish. Ending a match in a series that's been like this. Right, the match. There was great back and forth old school wrestling. Back and forth traditional moves. You had the great grapple spots. You had the great punches, great kicks, great traditional wrestling. A mixture of high flying. But towards the end of the match, Jericho was blown up. And that's all you effectively come away from the match with. Jericho blew up again because he's trying to do cruiserweight moves and he's not a cruiserweight anymore. So as a recap, a dusty finish, Chris Jericho defeats MJF via submission and it gets an 8 out of 10. If Chris Jericho wasn't blown up, I would have given it a 10 out of 10. But Chris Jericho being that blown up, and it's him doing it to himself, lowers the score to an 8 out of 10. Next we have Darby Allen versus CM Punk. And I have to say, this is a match I've been looking forward to. This, this match, it doesn't matter if it was on Impact or any other show. I would watch this match anywhere. Darby Allen versus CM Punk, especially as it's CM Punk's first match back in seven years. Sting hugs Darby before Sting walks backstage. If I'm right, I've noticed something. Yeah, I'll, I'll let you know after this match if I'm right. Through Darby's entrance, the crowd in Chicago kept chanting CM Punk. I left it running then, just to see if you could hear it. Let me know if you did. Not only that, there are signs all over the place saying Chicago is punk country. Weighing 
drunk put his hands by his mouth like he used to before he shouts it's clobbering time he didn't even have to the entire arena when they saw his hands go to his mouth shouted it's clobbering time punk took his hands away from his mouth and just raised his hands he put his hands back up by his mouth the crowd did it again took it away did it again this time he shouted it's clobbering time with the crowd Tarby Allen is sat in the right-hand corner. Punk sits in the ring, in the centre of the ring, looking at Tarby Allen. Now, what I think I've noticed is that whenever Darby knows he's going to lose a match, he sits in that side of the corner. Not only that, his face can't hide the fact that he knows he's going to lose that's what i think i've noticed however we'll see punk and darby have not even squared up yet and the crowd is chanting holy shit best match ever all cm punk and darby allen are doing is now standing up that's it and glaring at each other they haven't touched gloves or anything yet and the crowd is going this nuts the crowd are so pumped up for CM Punk's theme for CM Punk coming down to the ring for CM Punk wrestling this yeah it's just wow I mean this is a spectacle to watch. And they haven't even started the match yet. Darby, Allen and CM Punk started walking round pacing in the ring. And there was a chant from the crowd in unison. Saying, two more minutes before the bell. Two more minutes before the bell. Two more minutes before the bell. Darby Allen and CM Punk looked at the referee. They both agreed. Pacing round the ring has got the crowd cheering and so excited. Finally, the bell rings and the crowd chant, thank you for the two minutes. I mean, this CM Punk, Darby Allen are making the most of this. They are making the most of the screen time. They are making the most of everything. The crowd is absolutely loving this. A solid square and elbow tie up, which is where both men grab each other's shoulders. And if there were babies, they would have been thrown in the air at this point. Let me tell you, the crowd, all you heard in unison was yes. The crowd starts chanting, welcome back. After this great first move is done, they are still chanting, welcome back. Punk points at Darby and the crowd say, no, 
Punk points at himself and they say, yes. Then they go back to, welcome back, welcome back. Again, Punk points at Darby to a no, and to himself to a yes. This is amazing to watch. A great series of traditional wrestling grappling moves back and forth as much as I don't like face versus face match there needs to be a face versus a heel a baby face this is a face versus face match and this match is amazing it's a great series of back and forth moves and I'm well I'm writing more notes about this match than I am anything else. I don't believe I've actually just written that down. <laughs> Never mind. But yeah, this match is absolutely just... It is just amazing. The crowd are, ch are chanting CM Punk, Darby Allen. CM Punk, Darby Allen. CM Punk, Darby Allen. They are cheering for both at the same time, which is great in this great, great match. Punk went for the GTS, and Darby Allen shoots out of the ring for a regroup. The crowd chanting, Nearly, 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 nearly. Punk's gonna get ya. Punk's gonna get ya. Like this, we've had some high-flying moves, but they have been perfect. Not too many, not, yeah, not too many, not enough. Just the perfect amount. I mean, honestly, this, you could take this match and put it anywhere in the great wrestling cards of yesteryear. And it stands up to any. Darby built some momentum and CM Punk sold perfectly. Darby Allen for a split second didn't know what to do. Because he was expecting Punk to get up for another big move. But Punk, after a build of small moves to one big move stayed down and sold Darby then walked around the ring hyping up the crowd a bit which is normally reserved for the heels but in this match and how great it is I'll look past it I'll allow it Darby took a bit too long coming back to Punk when he tried to pick him up to throw him into the turnbuckle Punk reversed it. Darby flies out of the ring. The referee got to a count of eight and CM Punk looked at the referee, wagged his finger to say no. The referee immediately stopped the count. Punk got out, waited to the referee, counted to eight again, got in the ring, looked at the referee, then got out of the ring again. The referee got to a seven count before he then rolled Darby Allen in, giving 
Derby some time to recover. And so I'm not sure that's that was supposed to happen for him to bounce off of the turnbuckle. And boy, did he bounce off of it and land awkwardly. CM Punk takes control, getting a series of near falls with some great moves. CM Punk gets a bit frustrated and slaps the ropes, turns round and Darby Allen hits him with a code red for a two count. The crowd, after the two count, you could hear the entire crowd took a deep breath at once. The crowd have not taken their eyes off of this match. This is a great back and forth match. It's great styles of wrestling from the grapples to a sprinkling the just the right amount of high flying moves submission moves ground and pound punk takes control and hits darby allen with the go to sleep Darby rolls out onto the rolls out of the rig onto the floor Darby Allen rolls in after a count of eight CM Punk picks him up still with control punches and leaves him in the corner Punk hits Darby Allen with a big kick before Darby Allen falls out of the corner. CM Punk signals for the GTS. CM Punk picks Darby Allen up for the GTS before Darby Allen reverses. Some more great back and forth. Darby Allen takes control. He sets CM Punk up for the coffin drop Darby Allen jumps for the coffin drop which is leaping backwards from the top rope CM Punk sits up and Darby smashes his back off the bottom of the ring Punk went for a pinfall attempt Darby Allen countered it into a rolling schoolboy However, CM Punk countered that into the go-to-sleep. Darby Allen reverses the GTS and goes for a submission. CM Punk reverses the submission. Darby Allen went for to hit a poison runner on CM Punk. CM Punk reverses into the go-to-sleep. This time hitting the go-to-sleep on Darby Allen. The crowd then counts along one, two, three. CM Punk wins. CM Punk wins. CM Punk wins. What a hell of a match. An amazing match. A master class in matches and how to do a match right. I'm going to give this 
a hundred out of ten. That's right. It gets a hundred. This match was perfect. You know, also what was great in this match? Excalibur only spoke twice. The commentary was left to Tony, Shavani, and JR. After the match, Sting comes down to the ring. Checks on Darby Allen before offering CM Punk his hand. Punk and Sting shake hands. As Tony Schiavone says, Sting said he was going to stay away for this match. And Sting's word is gold. Sting and Punk go to help Darby Allen up. Darby Allen pushes them away and says I can get up on my own. Great show of respect between Punk and Darby Allen and Sting. CM Punk offers Darby Allen his hand in respect, and Darby doesn't think twice before shaking. So, next match is Paul White versus QT Marshall. And this was a five minute squash match, which was what it should have been. Marshall tried to fire up right away with punches, but ate a headbutt and a massive chop to the chest. Marshall tried to work over Paul White's hip, but White threw off a Marshall attempt at a cutter, hit a chokeslam to score the pin after fighting off several members of the factory. Camarado and Solo... This was just to bring the crowd back down between the punk match and the main event and played out exactly as it was supposed to, not delivering too much of anything beyond a Paul White win. And the only reason I say it was designed to bring everything down is because there's no way Kenny Omega could even hope to capitalise off the crowd reactions and crowd momentum in any match of his. Christian, more than able to, but no. Omega is not. Paul White defeats QT Marshall via pinfall. 7 out of 10. Next is the match I really don't want to watch. Because I've got a feeling I know who's going to win already. And I know it's going to piss me off. Next is the AEW World Championship match. Kenny, the piece of shit Omega. With Don Callis in his corner. Versus Christian the Cage. So here we go. Omega tried to jump Christian before the match. But Christian moved out of the way. And the two exchanged punches before Omega... Ren sent Cage to the floor. After sending Omega into the guardrail cage, came crashing onto Omega from the top rope to the floor. Omega came back and laid a table over Cage's body on the floor before hitting a double stomp to shatter the wood. The action finally went back into the ring. That didn't last long. Omega knocked Cage from the top rope to the floor 
again back in the ring. Cage managed to hit a fan rail from the top rope. Omega tried to hit the one-winged fairy, but Cage managed to escape and nearly locked in a clover leaf before Omega grabbed his hair to escape. Cage hit a reverse DDT for a near fall. Omega fired back and began to hit a V-trigger and a Snapdragon suplex to wear down Christian Cage. Cage definitely held up a middle finger before eating another Snapdragon and a V-trigger. That shot sent him through the ropes. Cage and Omega battled. On the ring apron, both men trying to drive the other through a set-up table on the floor before Cage speared Omega off the apron through the table. The table broke in an odd way with the legs coming through the top and cutting Cage's ribs. Cage locked in the clover leaf and the good brothers ran to the ring, forcing Cage to fight both off, countering Another one-winged fairy into a kill switch for a near fall. Don Callis ran to the ring to distract Cage, causing just enough of a delay for Omega to counter an attempt at a top rope kill switch into an abridged one-winged fairy to score the victory. Christian had a good match. Proving Christian can work with absolutely anybody. Omega is just shit. Once again, the crowd clearly started to burn out a bit by the finish. Sitting through this long stacked action bullshit in this match. (laughs) Christian's performance gets a 10 out of 10. Omega's it's a 1 out of 10 so we'll give this a 9 out of 10 of course there has to be an afterbirth after the match the middle aged bucks and the good brothers came in the ring after the match and started attacking Christian Jurassic Express shoot down to the ring to try and back clearly out cold Christian well I say out cold he's you know got hit with a one winged fairy off the top rope he's clearly laying now after being hit with punches and kicks from the good brothers and the middle aged bucks Jurassic Express is taken out quickly Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy before they slowly start to dismantle Marco Cunt. And I do have to say, I was enjoying watching them slowly destroying Marco Cunt before it had to get interrupted. I couldn't have too much entertainment and too much bliss, could I? As the good brothers hit Marco Cunt with the magic killer The crowd is chanting, yes, so it seems the crowd in Chicago hate Marco Cunt too. Kenny Omega picks up a microphone and cuts a negative five promo. 
the lights go black and Adam Cole music hits and he's keeping the baby thing which is great so Adam Cole baby is at all elite wrestling the crowd immediately wake up and go nuts A clearly outnumbered Adam Cole gets in the ring. Adam Cole then hits Jungle Boy with a super kick. It appears that Adam Cole has joined the elite. He's joined the Good Brothers and the Middle Age Bucks and Kenny the piece of shit Omega. And then the wings of the Valkyrie plays out from the ring. You know what that means. Daniel Bryanson is all elite. Brian Danielson is here. Brian Danielson, the former Daniel Bryan in WWE, comes down to the ring in his typical yes stance. The entire crowd have the same reaction to Brian Danielson that they did to CM Punk earlier. Brianson helps Jungle Boy, Christian Cage and Luchasaurus up as they square off and start to brawl with Kenny, the piece of shit, Omega, and the Good Brothers, and the Middle-Aged Bucks. Somewhere, the Middle-Aged, um, Carl and Luke, the Good Brothers, roll out, and Adam Cole rolls in. Monday Night Raw opens up with a load of tag teams cutting promos that they want to be tag team champions, including The New Day, which are in the NWO Wolfpack colours. Now this is taking a piss. Like, is it bad enough that they still have The New Day, let alone they're now wearing the colours and it is obvious what they're doing? is wearing the colours of legendary tag teams. Then, RK Bro walk to the ring. I honestly feel like the guy in the Godfather movie, what did they do to my boy? Randy Orton, the legendary Randy Orton, the 14-time world heavyweight champion. Three-time United States champion. Two-time Intercontinental champion. You know, multiple-time world tag team champion with respectable partners. They now have Randy Orton teamed with Matt Riddle. Matt Riddle's whole gimmick, he is, he is a stoner that says, Bro... A lot. And rides a scooter. <laughs> However. RK Bro. 
walk to the ring. Well, Riddle scoots to the ring behind Orton. Randy Orton leads his masterclass in promo cutting before Riddle starts talking and he talks like a stoner. Like, bro, it's gonna be, like, sick. Like, bro. Like, bro, we got a couple cool cats in the tag team division. Couple cool cats, but bro. And then Riddle says one of the most ridiculous things ever. Before, like, a match, bro, I always go outside for ten minutes, and then when I come back in, like, I have the munchies, and that's why I'm in a rush to get to the ring and get the match over, so I can just feed the munchies and just eat and eat and eat. Get me, bro? Right, this Matt Riddle gimmick is just bad. Bad gimmick by bad creative. You know what we say when there's bad creative? It's a combination of lazy booking and bad creative. That's what happens when you have writers instead of bookers. And thankfully, Bobby Lashley and MVP interrupt the idiot known as Matt Riddle. I know MVP's a heel, but he spoke for me there. He literally just turned around and said, Riddle, will you shut your dumb ass up and let the adult speak? It's true. And then he continues reading my mind by saying, Riddle, I'm sure everybody... In this arena, I'm watching the home. Watching at home is losing intelligent points by listening to you talk. Bobby Lashley then challenges Randy Orton to a singles match later this evening. Randy Orton cuts a masterclass promo saying yes, he will accept Bobby Lashley's challenge as it's been 15 years since they've had a one-on-one match. But the world heavyweight title that Bobby Lashley currently holds has to be on the line. If not, he will not accept the match. MVP then speaks to Bobby Lashley and Bobby Lashley says he will. Well, he says to MVP he will accept the match at Extreme Rules. MVP then tells Randy Orton at Extreme Rules one-on-one for the World Heavyweight title, the Viper Randy Orton versus the almighty Bobby Lashley. Looks like we're watching Extreme Rules, even if it is just for this one match. But time will tell. Bobby Lashley and MVP then get added to the tag team term- tag team terminal match. Later this evening. Which is what. I guess. the All the tag teams. At the start of the show. Were trying to say. 
and failing it badly. Then the new day come to the ring in the wolf pack colours. Kofi Kingston is dressed like Kevin Nash and Xavier Woods is dressed like Scott Hall from the WCW days. This some bullshit. Disrespecting our legacy. They took four minutes to get to the ring saying, well, they didn't make any valid points. They were just talking. We come back from a commercial break and Matt Riddle and Randy Orton are at the commentator's table. And there's no Michael Cole. There's Byron Saxton who does demonic screaming. There's Pat McCaffey or McCoffey or however the fuck they're pronouncing his name this week because it seems to change every week and there's Corey Graves hoping Byron Saxton can keep his inner Michael Cole quiet and just commentate tag team turmoil is about to begin the Viking Raiders set to face the NWO ripoff New Day Using some bullshit and some bullshit. NWO ripoff New Day win the first. Now we wait for round two to start, and it is Jinder Mahal, Mahal, and a wrestler called Veer, but it's pronounced with a it's written down, I should say, with a W. Now, either somebody in the graphics department is fucking about, just trying to see how much they can get away with, or somebody needs to learn to spell these names. I really am hoping it's somebody fucking about in the graphics department in the back, because it would just be so funny. Using some more bullshit. NWO ripoff. The New Day beat Jinder and Veal. Round three, Lucha House Party. Next round is bullshit New Day. Versus T-Bar and Mace. After some more bullshit, New Day managed to win again. And Mace and T-Bar actively lose their shit. You can see them going off script and kicking the crap out of Kofi Kingston. In fact, the referee comes over and tries to push them away, and they push the referee over. So, after that bullshit, again, somebody from management obviously came out during a break, because we come back from break to find out Mustafa, Ali, and Masood 
versus The New Day will happen later on. Bobby Lashley and MVP have indeed been added. And AJ Styles and Omas. So that seems like we're going to have a blasé Monday Night Raw today. After an amazing... After an amazing AEW All Out. Next, we have a clash of the heavyweights. Drew McIntyre versus former United States champion Sheamus. A great back and forth traditional super heavyweight versus super heavyweight match. After a great match, Sheamus wins. 8 out of 10, Sheamus moves on to Extreme Rules to face Damian Priest for the United States title. Next we have a Charlotte Flair promo. And it is a great Charlotte Flair promo. Great promoing. Giving her promo an 8 out of 10. I would say it was a masterclass in promo. But Charlotte Flair. Her hair got in the way a couple of times. When she was spinning her face around and moving her face around. So not really a masterclass. But it was a great promo. It annoys me that I can't say it was a masterclass promo. Simply because there are so many people in the wrestling industry that need to learn how to do a good promo. And normally I would say watch any Charlotte Flair promo and you'll have a masterclass. This one, however, I can't. So it's just a good promo. Next match is a contendership match for... The Women's Tag Team Championship. A reminder that this Women's Tag Team Championship goes across Raw, NXT and SmackDown. Which is good, I suppose. Current Tag Team Champions Tamina and Natalia versus Rhea Ripley. And Nikki, almost a superhero. Rhea Ripley hits the riptide. And Rhea Ripley and Nikki, almost a superhero, are next in line for the Women's Tag Team Championship opportunity. 5 out of 10. It was bland and blasé from the beginning and throughout. I expect a lot better from Rhea Ripley and from Natalia. Next we have a bad segment by Bad Creative. Former NXT champion and badass Kyrian Cross is sat on Moist TV hosted by Johnny Morrison. After a bullshit interview segment, 
where Johnny is trying to be funny and Carrying Cross is being serious. Carrying Cross just glares at Morrison as Morrison says, What do you intend to do next? Carrying <laughs> Cross says, Take you out. Morrison says, Anybody that challenges Johnny Drip Drip gets soaked. It's just some bullshit. What the fuck is going on? This whole segment gets a 4 out of 10. The only reason I'm even bothering to rate it at all is out of respect for Kieran Cross. Come back from a commercial break and it's Kieran Cross versus John Morrison. Or Johnny Morrison, according to the graphic and the commentators. After a two-minute squash match, Kieran Cross wins. Nine out of ten. It's exactly what it needed to be. Gary and Cross dominating and getting wins over shitty little mid card wrestlers. Gary and Cross comes away for the win. Nine out of ten. That's a nine out of ten for Gary and Cross. Next match is for the women's tag team championship. Charlotte Flair versus Nia Jax. A great back and forth match. Just when it looked like Nia Jax was going to win the women's title. Because she had stacked Charlotte Flair on the top rope. And was setting up for one of her finishes. Nia Jax's tag team partner. Oh, I can't remember her name. Her nickname is the Queen of Spades. Honestly, her name really isn't important. The Queen of Spades goes to the Nia Jax and tells her to not be cocky and end this, giving Charlotte just enough time to recover and hit Nia Jax with natural selection. Charlotte Flair wins one, two, three. That's her name, Shayna Baszler. I knew it would come to me. Shayna Baszler caused a distraction by distracting her tag team partner Nia Jax and Charlotte Flair retains the Women's World Heavyweight title on Raw. You know what? Let me rescore that. I'm going to give that a 8 out of 10. Yeah, 8 out of 10. After the match, however, we have Alexa Bliss appearing on the screen. Alexa Bliss and Charlotte Flair cut great promos against each other. Before Alexa Bliss appears in the ring after doing some magic and some tomfoolery and some bullshit. You know what that means? Lazy booking and bad creative. After more great promo cutting back and forth, Alexa Bliss challenges Charlotte for the Raw Women's Championship at some point in the future. Charlotte Flair 
accepts. Great segment, minus the bullshit and tomfoolery of the teleporting. So, sorry ladies, but 7 out of 10. Would have been 10 out of 10 if it wasn't for that teleporting bullshit. Next match is the Tag Team Turmoil match. NWO Ripoff versus Mustafa Ali and is is I don't even is Masood more bullshit and tomfoolery later the new day win again going to the next round this is just bullshit. Next round, and for the bullshit New Day to face up against is Omos and AJ Styles. Looking good, looking good. Business might be picking up here, people. And finally, the New Day's bullshit and tomfoolery runs out. AJ Styles and Omos win. Yeah, buddy. Now we have MVP and Bobby Lashley versus AJ Styles and Omos. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, buddy. Business is picking up. Great back and forth match between these tag teams. Bobby Lashley gets knocked out of the ring by Omos. Lands at Orton's feet. Lashley gets up and starts jaw-jacking with Orton. Before AJ Styles jumps off of the announcer's table to flatten Orton and Bobby Lashley. A couple of moments later, back in the ring, AJ Styles goes for the phenomenal forearm. But Bobby moves out of the way. Comes back with a spear. One, two, three. Bobby Lashley and MVP will face RK Bro next week for the Raw Tag Team titles. And that was Monday Night Raw for the 6th of September. Well, there is a small afterbirth, but... The afterbirth is Omos chokeslams Bobby Lashley. Bobby Lashley staggers up a couple of minutes later. Then Randy Orton hits the RKO out of nowhere. I just realised I didn't give a score for the Bobby Lashley MVP versus AJ Styles and Omos match. 10 out of 10. Next, we turn to Wednesday, the 8th of September, 2021's offering of AEW Dynamite. The show opens up with a package of the winners of AEW's All Out. Once that has finished, JR welcomes everybody 
and says that it is J.R., Tony Schiavone and Taz on a commentary table as Excalibur is getting married. Great, this is going to be an enjoyable episode of Dynamite and I don't have to let my guard down and worry about when Excalibur is going to shout something stupid. Props to him, he has been getting better but he still has that independence, that outlaw macho bullshit that comes out occasionally. But he's not going to be on the show, so great. AEW looks to kick this week's show off with a bang and the right way with Dustin Rhodes versus Malachi Black. Dustin Rhodes was gold dust in WWE and The Natural in WCW. And yes, Dustin Rhodes versus Malachi Black. This looks to be a good match. Justin Roberts announces this match has a 20 minute time limit. And if this match is as good as it is on paper, boy, I hope they go the full 19 minutes and 19 seconds. Because you know there's going to be some bullshit after birth after it. Fast paced match starts with old school brawling between the two. The natural Dustin Rhodes is the clear veteran with over 30 years experience. Malachi Black has 15 years experience. So this on paper is a great match. Like I said it starts perfectly with Dustin Rhodes going on the attack and putting Malachi Black on the defensive, something we haven't seen yet from Malachi Black. The two brawl and grapple to the outside before Malachi Black puts Dustin Rhodes through the doctor's table while the referee, Audrey whatever the fuck her name is, checks on Dustin Rhodes. Malachi Black walks around the ring, enters the ring, takes the turnbuckle pad off, exposing the steel in the corner. Referee Aubrey, that's her name. Honestly, she did used to be one of the good referees, but thanks to the outlaw macho bullshit from most of the outlaw macho talent that Tony Khan hired, they have dragged Aubrey down. So now she's just meh. Just one of the referees. Malachi Black gets Dustin Rhodes back in the ring, takes control, systematically targeting his arms and his legs, putting on a great clinic of old school wrestling before the idiot crowd then shouts, this is boring, this is boring, we want top rope moves, we want flips, we want dives. Malachi Black looks directly in the camera and says, shut the fuck up all you idiot fans, this is proper wrestling, not circus ole bullshit. He then gets out of the ring and walks round, screaming that at the idiot fans. I know Malachi Black is supposed to be the heel, 
But after what he just said, he is nothing but a baby face. He may act like a heel in a match, but he's told the AEW fan base something that they needed to know. Shut the fuck up and enjoy good wrestling. When you see the middle-aged bucks later, they can do the flips and tricks. Until then, shut up and be entertained. After Malachi gets back in the ring, there is a quick back and forth between him and Dustin before Malachi takes back over again, locking Dustin in a figure four. Dustin gets to the ropes. He is selling his knee, that the knee is injured. Malachi walks round the ring, shouting to the fans, are you not entertained? When they shout back, no, he shouts, good. Again, Malachi is selling himself as the baby face to me. And no, he's acting like a heel and supposed to be a heel. But his entire interaction with the AEW marks in the crowd are selling him as a baby face. He's a serious wrestler who takes his gimmick and his wrestling seriously. Dustin reverses two of Malachi's moves and hits the power slam. Getting back up to his feet, he starts slapping the ropes and the crowd clap their hands back. After more back and forth, Malachi takes control, rolls out of the ring, lifts up the ring apron and brings out Cody Rhodes, Dustin's younger brother's wrestling boot. Malachi threw the boot towards a downed Dustin. Dustin didn't realise, so Malachi kicks it closer to him. Malachi then went for a kick to the face. Dustin reversed before Dustin seems to have hulked up for a better word and takes control. Malachi moves out of the way as Dustin goes for a kick of his own only for Dustin to smash his head off the metal turnbuckle. Malachi hits the spinning heel kick and defeats Dustin. One, two, three. Malachi wins. I do have to say, I am surprised after a 15 minute match, there was no afterbirth. Great commentary from the announcers. 10 out of 10. Great match. Disappointed how it ended. So 9 out of 10. Up next is an interview with CM Punk. CM Punk speaks after his in-ring return at All Out next. CM Punk enters the arena to a standing ovation as the crowd are singing Cult of Personality. CM Punk thanks the crowd for chanting his name and singing his entrance to him. He then starts by... (coughs) Sorry guys, he then starts by telling the crowd he wasn't sure he could still go 
he wasn't sure he still had it as he had been gone for seven years. And as it turns out, wrestling is like a violent bicycle ride. Yes, it hurt a bit, but he's back. He's back on the bike and he wants more matches, more fights, more intensity. And the crowd are chanting, you still got it. You still got it. Punk, punk, punk. CM Punk hypes the main event as they are in Cincinnati. Cincinnati's homeboy, John Moxley, versus... Oh, I can't remember his name. But he's a legend in New Japan. Sakita, I think his name was. Next, CM Punk lists all the former WWE people that turned up at All Out. Ruby Soho. They're not pronouncing it weirdly anymore. Now they're pronouncing it as Soho. So Ruby Soho, Adam Cole and Daniel Bryanson. Although I'm just going to call him Brian. The crowd start chanting yes, 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 which is Brian's gimmick. Punk asks who he should fight next, asking the AEW universe. They start chanting different names before Taz stands up from a commentary table, picking up a microphone, says Punk, before Punk says, are you seriously interrupting me? And the entire building boos Taz. CM Punk says to Taz, out of respect, I'll let you speak, but don't ever interrupt me again. Taz then tells Punk not to mention anybody from Team Taz. Punk then laughs and says, nobody mentioned anybody from Team Taz. Nobody mentioned anybody from your stable. Will Hobbs and... Taz's son, Hook, then walk to the announce table. CM Punk then addresses each member of Team Taz before then saying, beat me if you can. CM Punk then says, survive if I let you. CM Punk drops the microphone and his music hits again. The crowd then starts singing along. I do have to say, great promo. Every time Punk is in the ring, he leads a masterclass in promos, and even Taz's interruption was a masterclass in interrupting promos. 10 out of 10. Next, Will Hobbs with Hook in his corner will go up against Dante Martin. Now, Dante Martin is part of a tag team with his brother, called Top Flight, and honestly, the tag team are just top shite. Dante tried to jump Hobbs from behind and ended up being flattened. And yes, I am enjoying this. Go on, Will Hobbs. Flatten and destroy the idiot from Top Shite. For some reason, this match between Powerhouse 
Will Hobbs, who is a monster, and Dante of Top Flight went A over five minutes and B through a break after a 20 minute match. Will Hobbs walks away with the win. This match should have been a five minute squash match for Powerhouse Hobbs. This gets this gets a three out of ten. Next, Don Lambert cuts a Jim Cornette promo. Again, Don Lambert is channeling Jim Cornette. I'm sure of it. Ten out of ten promo. Just perfect. He says that AEW is full of. Cruiserweights pretending to be heavyweights, pretending to be tough men, which is true. 90% of the Raw star are cruiserweights. You have a handful of heavyweights. If that... He goes on to say that he is representing the men of the year. And they have legitimate backgrounds in MMA karate they are tough guys and these cruiserweights running around like they're hard need to be put in their place next mjf walks to the ring with wardlow in tow mjf cuts a master class heel promo about how cincinnati is shit and nothing good ever comes out of Cincinnati, how Jericho only put his feet up on the rope after the match, how he was cheated out of beating Jericho four times, that he beat Jericho three times before the match at All Out, and it was complete bullshit that biased from referees and in the back saved Jericho, and that Jericho is nothing but a smuck. MJF then picks on Brian Brian Pillman's family that are at ringside, including his grandma and his sister. His sister then retorts back at MJF, I'm Brian, Brian Pillman Sr.'s daughter you don't know the crazy that I can go to considering you couldn't beat Jericho on Saturday big words from you MJF although the event was on Sunday not Saturday so I think she was told to say that and fuck that lineup. next Brian Pillman Jr his music hits and he walks down to the ring with a microphone in his hand. Brian Pillman Jr. then cuts a great promo back at MJF, taking the piss out of him. MJF then retorts back with, Wait a minute, Jr., you thought it was a good idea to go one-on-one on the mic with MJF. Bad idea. MJF then says it's a 
bad thing that your drug addicted mother, Methany, before Pillman slides into the ring. He goes to get in MJF's face, but Wardlow stands in front. Wardlow then throws Brian Pillman Jr. around in the ring before MJF then starts to tell off Wardlow for his failure on Sunday. Before he tells Wardlow to go stand in the corner and look pretty. Ha! MJF then says, Brian, if you don't get out of the ring, Brian Pillman Jr., I'm going to do what your mother should have done 28 years ago and abort you. While Wardlow stands in the corner looking at the ropes, doing as he was told by MJF and standing in the corner and looking pretty. Wardlow then turns round and sees MJF being beaten up by Brian Pillman Jr. and he throws Brian Pillman Jr. into one rope and the crowd boos as MJF shoots off into the corner. Next, Brian's tag team partner comes down to help Brian Pillman Jr. and Wardlow flattens him. MJF and Wardlow then leave the ring. Next, Ruby Soho walks down to the ring. Now remember, she was the former Ruby Riot in WWE, where she had luminescent green hair, which distracted you when she was in a tag team match, because you were instantly drawn to her luminescent hair in the corner. Now she has luminescent orange hair. Like, why doesn't somebody turn around and say, have a normal hair colour if you're going to be in the ring? She is facing Jamie Hager one-on-one in the ring. Now, after all the hard work they've gone through to build Jamie as a badass, they're now going to feed her to Ruby Soho. That is my prediction for this match. And after 15 minutes of a bullshit match, They sacrifice Jamie to Ruby Soho. After birth, Dr. Britt Baker, the women's champion, knocks out Ruby before former women's champion (laughs) Riho, who was the size of a girl in year six, for those in the UK. Sixth grade for those in America. And yet she ran off all three heels. Some bullshit. Some bullshit. Some bullshit. Two out of ten for the match. Zero out of ten for the afterbirth. Next is a trios tag team match. With a 20 minute time limit representing the pinnacle, FTR and the chairman Sean Spears. Next to come out their opponents, Dark Orders, Evil Uno, Stu Grayson and John 
silver after a very clunky trios match sean spears and ftr win the match very clunky from the beginning and throughout dark order are clearly imploding but uh, all i can say is it was very clunky as if in parts of the match dark order forgot what they were supposed to be doing and just froze so five out of ten after birth dark order implode next legendary four horsemen member tally blanchard cuts a legendary promo saying that sting and others from his generation are here sucking off the young talent feeding off of their legacies and just giving them minimal help in order to stay relevant unlike himself who is helping FTR giving them leadership and leading them to victories he wants Sean Spears versus Darby Allen next week on Dynamite and then he says Sting all you've done all your career is use people going back to the four horsemen and everything else soon it will be Tully Blanchard versus Sting one on one sorry guys I've got the hiccups and that match I look forward to 12 out of 10 promo from Tully Blanchard next Officer Bar Brady yes google that and you'll see exactly what this idiot looks like tries to interview Brian Pillman Jr Pillman Jr is challenging MJF at some point in the future once Tony Khan agrees to it next Tony Schiavone goes to the ring calls MJF a little prick then Tony Schiavone loses his shit loses his senses and says he's going to bring in the best faction in history the elite no the best faction in history would be the four horsemen Tony, you should know, you were there with the Four Horsemen, the middle-aged Bucks, the Good Brothers, Brandon Cutlet, Kenny, the piece of shit, Omega, and knocker, knocker, knock it the fuck off and get off my television, walk down to the ring with Don Callis. Callis takes the mic from Tony Schiavone. And then Tony Schiavone exits the ring. The middle-aged Bucks grab Tony Schiavone, telling him to stay in the ring. This is ridiculous. They are all dressed up like Grand Theft Auto villains. Nick Jackson has a chain on his nose ring, which goes to his earring. Matt Jackson looks like a tall they now 
announce that the newest member of the elite, Adam Cole, baby, will come to the ring. Adam Cole then comes to the ring to save this very quickly shitty promo turning into a dumpster fire. Adam Cole is a former two-time NXT champion and I doubt that even the great Adam Cole can save this dumpster fire. Adam Cole, who is in real life dating Britt Baker, walks up to Tony Schiavone and says, I know you're close to my girlfriend, but if you look at her the wrong way, I will slap that stupid smile, those earrings out of your ear and those and that beard off your face, and the beard will never grow back. He then threatens to whoop Tony Schiavone's ass if he looks at Britt Baker the wrong way or tries to hug his girlfriend ever again. Adam Cole then kicks Tony Schiavone out of the ring. Adam Cole started off doing a great promo. After he kicked Tony Schiavone out of the ring, and then he seemed to lose all sense of reality, where he declared that the Young Bucks were the best tag team of all time, and that Kenny Olivier is the best world heavyweight champion of all of the times. He actually said, of all of the times. Adam Cole then says he is a once-in-a-generation athlete, clearly regaining his senses, because he is a once-in-a-generation athlete. He moves in the ring like Shawn Michaels, carries himself like The Undertaker, walking to and from the ring. Once-in-a-lifetime athlete, I'll agree with that. He then says, if you don't believe me, wait until next week when I make my AEW debut, and then you'll see how elite I really am. Before Twinkle Toes, Kenny the piece of shit, Olivier, takes the mic. Kenny, with a 2002-looking Triple H beard. Omega then cuts a promo like this talking about at the promo he at the paper view he was interrupted during his promo by brian danielson and then brian danielson's music hits kenny then says he's pissed it's supposed to be their segment and he wants the elite out of the ring to talk to Brian. I mean, for fuck's sake, Olivier, it's bad enough. All you do when you're in matches is finger point and chest astrolate. You don't need to sound like you're on a sex line when you're talking in the ring. Adam Cole got this up to a 5 out of 10 before Olivier started talking and dragged it back down to a minus 15. So, while Adam Cole can't save this segment, he at least 
got it up to a five before Olivier destroyed it again. After the rest of the elite leave the ring, Brian enters and Kenny then says, normally, which threw me, step into the squared circle when Brian is already in the ring. So that made absolutely no sense. But then why should Twinkle Toes make sense? Olivier then says, Brian is who he wants to talk to. Sounding like a sex worker before Brian then grabs the microphone out of his hands. Brian then says, quick question. Do you guys want to see me versus Kenny Omega? The entire stadium then starts chanting, yes. Brian then insults Omega, saying you're afraid to take this match because you're not on my level. You call yourself the best wrestler in the world, but yet you can't prove it. Olivier then takes off his jacket, throwing it on the floor. Before he goes to hit Brian, Brian gets him in the yes lock and the rest of the elite roll in and start kicking Brian before Jungle Boy and Christian Cage, Frankie Kazarian, Luchasaurus, then take out the elite. For some reason, Marco Cunt gets involved and takes everybody out of the moment where he is just running around the ring doing God knows what. Seriously, fire Marco Cunt. He is a sexual predator. The same with his brother. The only useful thing that Marco Cunt did was when the heels were backing up. Luchasaurus suddenly picked him up and threw him at the heels. Now the camera got Marco Cunt's face after he had been picked up. I had to rewind and pause it to check. And Cunt's face was like, what the fuck? Cutlet then got in the ring. And the crowd then shout, you fucked up. Daniel Bryan runs from the corner and hits Cutlet with the flying knee. A match is then announced for AEW Dynamite Grand Slam Live Wednesday, September 22nd. Cody Rhodes versus Malachi Black. So we know at some point between tonight and September 22nd, the American Nightmare Cody Rhodes is going to return. Which is bullshit, because if you're going to have him come back against a heel like Malachi Black, you have it as a surprise, not announce it. Justin Roberts then announces that the next match is the main event of the evening set for one fall so one victory with tv time remaining so this match if it's going to last all of tv time will be a 15 minute match as 
TV time remaining is 15 minutes. And it's Suzuki versus John Moxley. The match starts and then it goes to pitcher and pitcher break. There is eight minutes of a pitcher and pitcher break in which I can't tell you what happened because they had the adverts covering over half the screen and in a tiny little box was AEW. So I can't actually tell you what happened. It came back from the break and Suzuki is flying off the ropes at a downed John Moxley. Moxley then bites Suzuki's face. Suzuki then bites John Moxley. I mean, what the fuck is this? This is not professional wrestling. This is just outlaw mud show bullshit. And folks, I'm not reviewing it anymore from here. Moxley won the bout after a lot of outlaw mud show bullshit. I did watch it and there was some good brawling and some old school wrestling. But that was far and few between the outlaw mud show bullshit where they're grabbing each other's hair. Pinching each other, kicking each other, and just getting out of the ring and throwing each other around into steel steps and into the turnbuckle and shouting, ah, at each other. Outlaw macho bullshit on national TV. Well done, Tony Khan. Well done. You've done nothing but destroy the ending of a great show. This match gets a negative 10 out of 10. Here is my quote for the week. Winners are not people who never fail, but people who never quit. I want to thank everybody who is following the AlphaZone Twitter account. Those that aren't, that are listening to the Alpha Zone, I would recommend following the Alpha Zone Twitter account, as it's the official Alpha Zone Twitter account. That is at Alpha Zone 18. You will see the show's logo. Not only that, it says Alpha Zone on it, in case you are not sure. And I want to remind everybody to add the official AlphaZone Snapchat. It has been brought to my attention that there is another Snapchat that is the unofficial version. The official AlphaZone Snapchat is AlphaZone18. Again, you will see the show's logo. It is the same that you see on Anywhere you stream the Alpha Zone podcast, it is the same logo on the Twitter and the same logo on the Snapchat. Once again, that is Alpha Zone 18 on Snapchat to add the official 
AlphaZone Snapchat, where there are sneak behind the scenes postings. Stay up to date on everything AlphaZone on the Twitter and on the Snapchat. I want to thank everybody who listens to the Alpha Zone and continues to listen to the Alpha Zone. We appreciate your support and your love. And we thank you for choosing to spend your time listening to the Alpha Zone.